guys. It's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It may be cold outside, but Leon Tailoring keep you nice and warm without burning a hole in your pocket. That's right. If you need a nice new coat or maybe need a sweater or a heavier jacket or a heavier blouse, no matter what it is, Leon Tailoring, Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy can take care of you this winter season. So, like I said, it's the Midwest. It's cold outside, but Leon Tailoring always keep you nice and warm and comfortable, and once again, without burning holes in any of your pockets. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. I know they'd be happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, the race for the U.S. in Indiana is official now. Jim Banks filing this week uh, that he is running for the U.S. Senate going to be a candidate, and he joins us on the news line. So, Jim, my friend, uh, first of all, thank you very much. Happy New Year. How you been? Hey, Abdul. Good to be with you. Uh, beginning of the year, we're kicking off a new campaign uh, with Mike Braun running for governor. The Senate seat is open, and uh, this week I was the first to get in the race uh, for United States Senate from Indiana. I'm excited about the campaign, getting out and campaigning around the state and making my case. I, I just believe Indiana, being the conservative state that it is, deserves a conservative to replace Mike Braun, and I'm excited to launch my campaign to do that this week. Uh, so why run for the Senate, old friend? Well, I've enjoyed uh, and and am deeply honored to be the representative for Northeast Indiana. This wasn't an easy decision. I mean, most people would call the third district a safe Republican seat. I, I could, you know, hold on to it, get, get reelected every couple of years, I suppose, and keep doing what I'm doing. But I, I just think the Senate needs a shakeup. I, I've been in the House now for the last six years, and you've seen the House change quite a bit. But I believe America is uh, hungry and needs the next generation of conservative leaders to go to the Senate and shake it up. I mean, the, the, the issues that we're facing in this country today are significant, and um, we need uh, leaders in the Senate who are using the, the the rules and the powers of the Senate to focus on the greatest threats that we face. Now, I believe those three big threats are China. China is the biggest economic and mili military threat to America. I've been uh, on the front lines of addressing that threat in the House. Uh, we just created a select committee on China in the House, passed it last week, and it's getting set up. And I'm looking forward to being a part of that. But we need that kind of focus in the Senate to, to focus on holding China accountable for what they've done to steal our jobs, what, they, what they've done, their, their recklessness and negligence that led to COVID and a worldwide pandemic, and, and really their military goals of dominating the United States and the rest of the world. So that's the, that's the first big threat that I, I see that we face, that the Senate gives an even bigger platform to address. The second threat is a $32 trillion national debt. I've been one of the most fiscally conservative representatives in the country, and we just had a massive omnibus bill pass out of the Senate, and uh, I just didn't see enough of a fight against it and, and believe we need uh, some more senators, conservative, fiscally conservative senators to fight against wasteful spending. Then the third big threat, uh, Abdul, that I, I focused on is, is, is wokeism and, and uh, what the left wing, it, uh, the radical left in this country is trying to do to change America through cancel culture, through uh, teaching our kids anti-Americanism, critical race theory, pushing it on our troops. We need to raise up the next generation of patriotic Americans who recognize that this is the greatest country in the history of the world. We shouldn't be teaching them the opposite. And wokeism has infected the federal government, it's infected corporate America, our schools. Uh, we got to uproot it, and the Senate provides a bigger platform for me for me to be in the fight to do that. So I'm excited about the campaign, addressing those issues. But I, I just believe America needs the next generation of 
of leaders to step up, and I, I want to be a part of that. Well, uh, obviously, and Jim Banks is our guest on the program today. Jim Banks announcing this week that he's a candidate uh, for the United States and an official candidate for the U.S. and his father's paperwork this week. Uh, Jim, uh, on the issue uh, of China, uh, obviously China is a is an economic competitor with the, with the United States. Uh, a story out this week that China, uh, for the first time in six years, actually lost population uh, in part uh, due to COVID. Uh, does that, 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 that signal, obviously, uh, a nation of 1.14 billion people losing 850,000 is a lot in the grand scheme of things. When we look at China's the COVID policy, their one-child policy, is China the, 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 the threat that uh, folks have made it out to be? Well, I really believe that they are. I mean, they, they, they tell us that their goal is to dominate America and the world and become the hegemonic power. I mean, it's their 100-year marathon goal to do just that. So, and what they've done to, to build a sophisticated uh, military that surpasses us in a number of uh, capabilities should startle every American. I mean, that the, the military threat that they pose and, and what they're trying to do to to uh, to to dominate. I mean, the, the way they've strategically built up their military with emerging technologies to dominate the United States military. I, I serve on the Armed Services Committee. I've been focused on innovation, new technologies. A lot of those te- technologies are being developed right here in Indiana. And uh, I've, I've been one who believes that peace through strength comes through a strong, tough military that our adversaries fear. And that means investing in new technologies. So the, the China threat is is real. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see maybe there are signs of weakening, but we can't give up on it, uh, on that threat. And what they've done to steal our jobs or intellectual property, th- those are real threats that, that matter to to working class, uh, uh, working families all over all over Indiana who have seen their jobs uh, and livelihood diminish or disappear because of what uh, what China is doing to our economy. So I've kept a focus on it. It's one of my top priorities in the House and in the Senate. I can do even more. Uh, let's switch over to the to the budget deficit because obviously the deficit is a big is a big deal. What is the Republican plan? Uh, to to reduce the deficit, what what would what would you do differently that's being done that that's I would say I would say not being done right now? Yeah, this is so important. Thirty two trillion dollar national debt. And when I talk about the American dream that I've lived as the son of a factory worker, um, I'm worried that my daughters won't have this the opportunity at the same American dream because a, na- a national debt will hold this country back in in such a significant way. So, uh, Abdul, I'm the only member in Congress over the past uh, four years, uh, when, when the Democrats had the majority the last two, two terms with Secret Pelosi, I'm the only member of Congress who has, has led a, uh, actually offered and put forth a budget as chairman of Republican Study Committee that balanced in seven years and set us down a path uh, to, uh, to, to pay down the national debt. And that, it, it takes that type of tough-minded, bold leadership that Republicans are gonna have to offer. Even though we're, we have the House majority, and the Democrats have the Senate majority in the White House, we're going to have to use our leverage to fight for uh, cuts in wasteful spending. And we can do that in a way that doesn't uh, doesn't cut entitlement spending or doesn't cut uh, uh, important uh, programs like Social Security benefits and Medicare and Medicaid for seniors and those who rely on it today. We shouldn't touch that, but we can make significant uh, cuts to wasteful spending and reforms uh, that would that would send us down a path to restore our fiscal health. So that's the type of leadership I provided in the House. You know, in the Senate, you just have a lot. The rules give the senators a lot more power. And when I when I'm in the House and I look over at the Senate, and they just kind of roll over sometimes and and uh, pass massive spending bills without batting an eye. That that that's why I'm running for the Senate to go over and shake it up and and fight back against uh, 
some of these uh, massive spending deal, deals that are putting us further in debt. Uh, Jim, what would you uh, cut or limit or, or reduce the growth of government? Because obviously uh, a good chunk of our budget is entitlements, there's interest on the debt that's got to be paid, you have the military. So the so the part that most people consider government is, I want to say, like maybe like maybe 15, 20, 20 percent. Is there is there enough in that 20, 15, 20 percent uh, to get our budget deficits under control? Yeah, there, there, there's a lot. I mean, across the board, every every federal agency has grown by leaps and, and bounds since Joe Biden has become president. We've never had a president spend more money in American history than Joe Biden has spent in the last two years. So, the the you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, Abdul. I mean, there's lots of places that we can go to cut and make, make the type of uh, spending and budgetary reforms that, um, that send us down a path to restore fiscal sanity, you know, d down the road without cutting – benefits that seniors rely on today, making reforms for future generations like my own and generations after that can save these. We have to save Social Security. You know, the Democrats howl about this issue and use it as a as a political um, uh, uh, punching bag. But the reality is that we need to save these programs for future generations by making reforms for later generations without taking anything away from seniors who rely on them today. Our guest on the program today is Indiana Congressman Jim Banks. Jim announcing this week that he's a candidate now for the U.S. Senate, officially filing his paperwork. So we're fortunate to talk to him and, uh, and answer some questions about his uh, Senate running we'd like to do uh, in the Senate. Uh, Jim, you said your, your, your three prongs were China, uh, the deficit, and quote-unquote wokeism. Uh, how, would you, how do you distinguish between wokeism and cancel culture versus like, hey, you know, we're America, we, had, we, had, we have a great history, we have some things we're not very proud of, but we should learn that as well so we don't make the same mistakes? Yeah, that's an important distinction and question. I mean, at the end of the day, um, when we tell kids or tell our troops to read, you know, books from they're written by the likes of Ibram X. Kendi, uh, what they call anti-racism, which is actually a very racist ideology that teaches our kids that America is rooted in racism and and evil. I think we're 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 doing a disservice to the future of this great country. I mean, this is the greatest country in the history of the world, and I think about this a lot as uh, as someone who served in uniform, serves on the Armed Services Committee. We've seen military recruitment numbers way off the mark over the last uh, couple of years. And I think a, a big reason why what we hear from a lot of our troops who are getting out, leaving the military early or early retirements or separating from the military is they're, they're sick and tired of some of the woke uh, uh, political training in the military and not enough of a focus on fighting wars and preparing to to, uh, to protect America. So uh, how do we raise up? So the big question is, how do we raise up the next generation who's going to raise their right hand and take an oath like I did to protect and defend our country uh, in uniform and send them abroad, knowing that they might ultimately pay the, the ultimate sacrifice, if at the same time we're telling them that America is evil and racist and not worth dying for. So it's a it's a backwards uh, 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 ideology and, and uh, it does a disservice to our country. And we need to we need to teach patriotism. We need to teach teach our kids and and tell our troops that America is uh, is the greatest country worth fighting and dying for. And I think there's a I think there's a big distinction that doesn't that doesn't uh, whitewash uh, some of the you know the the mistakes that our country has made. And we cer we certainly should teach our kids American history like I was taught, like you were taught in schools. But pushing political ideologies that teach anything but America being the greatest country in the history of the world, I think, is a is a dangerous path that our country has taken under the current regime. Jim Banks with us. Uh, Jim, uh, a, a, a little bit of a controversy has sort of uh, popped up uh, before you made your announcement. Club for Growth uh, 
run by the, the a gentleman you and I both know, David McIntosh, a, a longtime fixture in Indiana politics. They went after uh, former Governor Mitch Daniels, saying Mitch Daniels is, is you know, 50 years in government, really not conservative, blah, 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 blah. What, what are your thoughts on all that, or, or, do, or do you have any at all? Well, I, I respect Mitch Daniels. I, I called him last week to tell him I'm, I'm running and that I respect him. I learned a lot from him. I served in the in the state house for a couple of years at the very end of his time as governor and appreciate what he's done for our state. And we, we had a very cordial and, and nice conversation about that. And I don't know if he's going to run or not. I don't know who else might run. There are a lot of names out there. I, I wanted to uh, kick off my campaign this week because um, it's a long campaign. I got a lot of work to do to go travel the state. I don't I don't start out from from maybe the best position with name ID or fundraising. I've, I've always been the underdog in politics. When I ran for Congress the first time, I was the underdog. And I, I just think that uh, Indiana's looking for a senator that's going to fight for the underdog, fight for working class families. And uh, to get to get to that point, uh, to run the strong campaign that I need to run, I, I needed to get an early start. That's why we kicked off the the campaign this week, the first recess week that we're in Congress that had a chance to get back home and go out and, and, and visit with Hoosiers and tell them why I, why I want to be their next United States senator. I'm excited about it. I believe Indiana deserves a conservative fighter in the Senate to shake it up and, and uh, I'm not going to back down and uh, on the, from the, those who, who, uh, who, who might be looking for somebody else, uh, a more, maybe a more moderate uh, senator or Democrat, Senator, I'm not going to back down from the fight. I never have. I never will. I, I just believe it's that important. Uh, what are you hearing uh, so far uh, from Hoosiers? What, what do they tell you their big concerns are? Well, I think uh, I think Hoosiers are uh, rightly uh, upset about the direction of this country. I mean, I I was in. I got elected to Congress 2016. Donald Trump got elected to the, the White House at the same time, and you know many of the policies that he put forth in that administration set America down a strong path. Uh, uh, on the world stage, economically, what he did to secure the border, um, th- those were all important. And to watch all of the, that get turned upside down in just a short period of time under Joe Biden, uh, most Hoosiers are, are very, uh, very angry and uh, up- upset about the direction of our country. So they're looking for the next generation of, of conservative leadership in the Senate. I, that's why I'm running. I want to I want to be a part of uh, advancing our our Hoosier values, and you know, if you take the border for example, this is the, I believe, uh, you know, the one of the greatest, uh, one of the biggest uh, issues uh, going on in America today. We have a wide open border, and uh, when I go down and visit the border, visit Border Patrol agents, and talk about what's what's really going on down there, I get criticized by some on the left. Northeast Indiana is a long ways away from the border, but what's happening at the border, Abdul, is you got a record amount of fentanyl flowing over the border. That's uh, having a devastating, uh, deadly impact on Hoosiers. Uh, fentanyl is now the leading cause of death of Americans my age and your age. And it's because of a wide open border that's allowing the, the Mexican drug cartels to push drugs over the border at a pace that we've never seen before. So I, I believe we gotta, we got to do whatever we have to do to declare war on the Mexican drug cartels, hold China accountable for manufacturing the fentanyl in the first place. And do what we have to do to secure the border again. Those those are the issues that the Hoosiers care about, and I want to be their fighter in the Senate to fight for it. Oh, we got just a couple minutes left, Jim. Uh, recently, uh, the the House, uh, when Republicans took over, had 15 votes, like the first time since like 1849, uh, since the 19th century, that it took this long to get a speaker. Uh, you've been criticized by support for supporting Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he, he's considered quote unquote establishment. Uh, what 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 do you what do you think about all that, or or, does, or is that just noise and chatter just to fill time? 
Yeah, I got a vote too, Abdul. I got one vote uh, for the Speaker of the House. I was honored by it. wasn't my mom. I, I looked around. I thought maybe my mom was on the <laughs> floor of the House voted for me. Um, I didn't ask for a recount. Um, and I've also been saying that um, if I'm ever told I have one week to live, I want to live through that again because it was like Groundhog Day, go, every day going down on the floor over and over again and going through that process. It, it, I thought it was. I thought it was a great example of how our our Congress works, our process works, and so many people were dialed into it and uh, giving me feedback. And, you know, I, I, I think we're healthier healthier for it. Um, the, the Republican conference is unified, um, unified not just around our leadership, but the rules changes that empowers individual rank-and-file members to do more and takes power away from the speaker so that we never have a Speaker of the House again like Nancy Pelosi, who runs a rough, rough shed over uh, – all of the rest of us uh, who has too much power abuses her power. That that's uh, that's what we were trying to avoid last week. And I, I, the way the way that it all ended up, Kevin McCarthy was elected the speaker. He's already following through on his commitments. We created the Select Committee on China. We passed our first pro-life bill. Uh, we're focused on on passing uh, a fiscal fiscally responsible budgets in the House and and uh, holding holding the Biden uh, 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 administration accountable for. Many of their abuses as well by starting a number of investigations and oversight. We're off to a good start, so I'm I'm happy with where we are. I I haven't uh, sensed a lot of criticism for the way things turned out last week because I think in the in the speaker race because I think we're in a better place for it. Uh, final question for you, old friend. I'm kind of going through this myself right now. What did your wife say about when you told her you're thinking about running? <laughs> well, you know my my wife. She's uh, She's tough, and she served in the state house when I when I went to Afghanistan, and I'm very proud of her. We we believe, uh, you know, serving uh, in, in in politics is a calling for our family. Not not an easy decision for us. The easy thing for us to do would have been to stay in a, a safe seat in Northeast Indiana and stay in the house. But we just feel like going to the Senate is and and doing even more for our state, the state that we love, is what we're called to do. And it, it was a decision that. We didn't make overnight. We we spent the holidays uh, truly talking about it as a family, praying about it, talking to friends and and uh, family around the state. And um, you know, we arrived at a place where we just feel like this is such an important moment in our American history that we need new leaders to step up, leaders from our generation to step up and and uh, and advance uh, America to restore America. So we got to a place where we made, we made this decision together as a family. We're excited about it. Uh, Amanda and I and our three daughters, 13, 11, and 9 years old, we're excited to get out and around Indiana to make our case. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been Indiana Congressman Jim Banks. We'd like to be your next uh, U.S. Senator. Uh, Jim filed this week to uh, run for the U.S. Senate. Jim, my friend, as always, old friend, thank you very much. Great to talk to you. And uh, my spider sense tells me you and I are probably chiding quite a bit uh, this year and next. Just just call me crazy, well, old friend. <laughs> looking forward to it. Go to banksforsenate.com today to get involved. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking again. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.